Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hi again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Mike Evans, and want to bring you behind the curtain a little bit. True story. This is my second go-around on this week's Mile High Hockey Podcast. As I had one already in the can, as we like to say in the business, um, with the idea that it looked like that Darcy Kemper might be returning to the Avalanche, or at least the Avalanche goaltending situation would remain up in the air for at least a while. Nope. Uh, No, I think it was maybe about an hour after I got done with the original podcast and got home. I got uh, word of the Avalanche trade. And uh, quickly realized, going to have to do this again. So here you go. Take two, <laughs> reacting to everything the Avalanche have done uh, when it comes to their goaltending as they make the move for Rangers backup goalie Alexander Georgiev. What does it all mean? Okay, let's first of all, let's start with Darcy Kemper. I'm not here to trash Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper will always hold a special part of Av's lore can never take away from the man the fact that he was the goaltender of a Stanley Cup winning team. And that matters for something. That that counts for something. That's not something that's easily dismissed. Uh, he was there. He was the guy between the pipes when the Avalanche beat Tampa Bay. He was the guy who was the winning goaltender, not Andre Vasilevsky. So Darcy Kemper deserves the credit. Now, that does not mean he's worth to the Avalanche the amount of money that they would have to pay him. I think the best way to look at Darcy Kemper, in my mind, is I think he's a good goaltender that doesn't deserve great goaltending money. Somebody's going to give him great goaltending money. And you know what? That team is going to look to Darcy Kemper to really be the answer for them. And I, he just wasn't that kind of goaltender here. He was solid but not great. And for what the Avalanche have right now, and what they just proved as a team that can win a Stanley Cup with good but not great goaltending, and at times below average goaltending, I just don't think it makes sense with some of the other key players that they have to pay or want to pay to give that kind of money to Darcy Kemper. So I endorse, I, I support Joe Sackick for moving on once the number became too rich for the Avs' blood. And the way they're going right now is is a model that has worked for them. So why should they not go back to it again? In going and trading for Georgiev, you're getting a guy who you have watched in a limited capacity with the Rangers, and it is the organization's belief that if given an opportunity to get more playing time around a better team, that this guy can really establish himself as a true number one goalie in the NHL. Hmm. If that formula seems familiar to you, it should, because it's what the Avalanche have done the last two years. First of all, with Philip Grubauer, bringing him over from Washington uh, after a a career in Washington in which he was never the guy and being confident that he could be that guy here. He was. Now, it didn't work out in the playoffs, but Philip Grubauer clearly established himself as a number one goalie here with the Avs enough that he was able to parlay it into a big free agent contract with the Kraken. Then you go into this year, Darcy Kemper, again, somebody who 
uh, because of, of injuries and, and other circumstances, never really established himself with the Coyotes, comes here, gets the opportunity, makes the most of it. You know the rest of the story. So what have the Avalanche proven? The Avalanche have proven that they have an eye for goaltending. They have an eye for goaltenders who they believe uh, have a chance to blossom if given an opportunity to play with this team. And they're two for two. <laughs> the second one being a real home run with Kemper. But that doesn't mean that now you should all of a sudden deviate from that strategy and say, okay, we got Darcy Kemper. Let's pay him a lot of money. Let's give him five years and $30 million. You just can't do that when you have the kind of salary cap constraints that the Avalanche have. And it just doesn't make sense. I'll go back to the line I use. It doesn't make sense to pay great goaltending money to a good goaltender. And that's what Darcy Kemper is. So Joe Sackick doing the right thing. Now, uh, what are they getting in Georgiev? They're getting a guy who, again, has, has shown potential. He was, he was blocked uh, in in New York. And now you come into a situation where I think the Avalanche presume he'll be the starter. He's going to have to earn it. Hey, Pavel Frantos is still here. And what have we learned about Frankie in the in the last couple of years? This guy competes, man. This guy will this guy will push you. And so in in I guess really what you're looking at is the idea that hey between Georgiev and Frantos, one of these guys will emerge as the guy and then that guy being able to play with this team with this supporting cast is going to be able to put up big numbers and then we'll see come playoff time if he's got what it takes. But again, the Avalanche just proved that you can win a Stanley Cup in, in really, let's be honest, dominating fashion. They only lost four games during the course of the playoffs. You can win a Stanley Cup in dominating fashion with average to below average goaltending. And that's, that's again, I'm not here to smear anybody. That's just a fact that if you look at the numbers and you also look at times at the eye test, the Avalanche did what they did in these playoffs with average to below average goaltending. That is just a fact. If you look at save percentages, which is oftentimes the most uh, kind of telling, uh, uh, truthful statistic there when you're talking about the effectiveness of a goaltender, uh, for, for most of the playoffs, Darcy Kemper had the worst save percentage of all the qualifying playoff goalies out there. And yet the Avalanche were still able to win the Cup. So I think when it comes to the goaltending, uh, moving ahead the way the Avalanche are doing, again, not paying great uh, goaltending money for good goaltending is the way to go. Now, what does this do? Well, it allows the Avalanche to bring back free agents that they really prioritize. And I don't know how it was for you, but going into this whole free agent um, frenzy, you had the five big free agents, right? And in no particular order, they were Kemper, Kadri, Nachuskin, Manson, Burakovsky. I rank in importance of bringing guys back, knowing you can't bring them all back, but if I was ranking in importance who I'd want to come back, number one would be Kadri, number two would be Nachuskin, number three would be Manson, uh, number four would be Borkowski, and, and, and number five would be Kemper. Uh, Kemper last for the, the reasons I think I just uh, I just laid out. So by passing on bringing back Kemper, now you're in a situation where you can go after some of these um, other guys. And I have Kadri as the number one free agent because while I recognize his age and while I recognize that 
you could end up signing him to a contract that may not age well as that contract goes along. Let's say you do a a five year deal with Nazem Kadri. Yeah, I, I would I would be pretty confident for the first three years of that deal. You're getting a player, uh, if healthy, who's who's similar to the guy that we just watched prove himself to be one of the most important abs during their Stanley Cup run. I think you'd be getting that kind of guy for the first three years of that deal. Is it possible, is it likely that maybe over the last couple of years of that deal, he's just not the same player, he's up into his upper 30s and his play declines? Okay. Honestly, that's a trade-off I'm willing to take because I do put a premium on trying to hold on to guys that have proven that they can handle playing in the playoffs and they embrace playing in the playoffs and they have what it takes to be a champion. I, I Just because you're a pro athlete and just because you may put up numbers does not mean that you are equipped to handle the pressure that comes with playing in the playoffs. I'm sorry. You, not all athletes are created the same way. And so when you find somebody that clearly embraces the pressure and the intensity of the playoffs, you, you don't easily let that guy go. And so Kadri has proven himself to be that kind of playoff performer. And for a team that's in a Stanley Cup window right now and should be for the next few years, I think you try to maximize that window as much as possible. And that means bringing back a guy like Kadri. So that's why he's number one for me. Then Nachuskin. And it's kind of like, you know, see above. You know, everything that I just said about Kadri, I'm saying about Nachuskin. Plus you have the added benefit of Nachuskin being five years younger than Kadri. So... Again, these are two guys. I, I think I want them both back. I, I know for some people it's been, hey, maybe one or the other. Who do you choose? I, I want them both back. If I had to choose between the two, oof, that's a tough one. I, I, I suppose if I had to choose between the two, I would go with Nachuskin, uh, simply because of the the youth factor and because you could sign him to a five or six year deal and you could be pretty confident that 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 contract is going to age in a way that you're going to get the full five or six years. So that that would be what I would go with if I had to choose, but I want it on record here that I'd like both of them back. Josh Manson is kind of an interesting case. Now, I'd love to have Manson back. Part of me was uh, thinking, okay, that that's, that's not going to work because he apparently wants to go back to Anaheim, and that's where his family is set up, and that's where they're most comfortable and that's where he wants to go. But now apparently you're hearing reports that he's going to meet with uh, some teams on the East Coast. Uh, he's going to meet with Montreal. And as our Avalanche insider Adrian Dater from ColoradoHockeyNow.com said, it is uh, by no means an automatic that he goes back to Anaheim. So if if he's open to somewhere else other than Anaheim, why not stay here? But again, it comes back to the do the dollars work. And... Look, I'm I'm not going to begrudge any athlete who is trying to make the most money that he can make. I, I especially guys who just proven themselves as being part of a Stanley Cup champion. You know, I think a lot of guys their their dream is to win a cup, right? And you saw with the Avalanche and the way their players reacted, just how much it means to win the cup. That said, once you've realized that lifelong ambition of winning the cup and you've carried it around. Yeah, you'd love to win another one. Why not? But I can see how the focus might shift a little bit. And the idea being, you know what? Won the cup. But now I'm in a position to capitalize on that. I'm a free agent coming off winning a cup. Man, my 
marketability uh, will never be better than it is right now. I have to take advantage of it. And so if a player decides, hey, I, I, I've i got one team that's offering me this amount of money, and the Avalanche are saying we'd love to have you back, but you got to give us a, a break here. you got to give us a hometown discount. I mean, it would be great if a player made that kind of statement that, hey, I'm willing to take less money to come back and do it again with the Az because I love this group and I want to try to win again. That'd be the best case scenario. But what I'm saying is I'm certainly not going to rip a guy because he decides to go out there, hear different offers, and eventually take the one that is worth the most money. Not going to rip him for that. So if a guy like Josh Manson is out there and, and he's making himself available to the highest bidder and he's not in a mood to take a, a pay well, a pay cut, but a hometown discount with the Avs, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come after Josh Manson for that. I'm gonna say thank you very much for coming in here and being a huge part of the Avs winning the cup. And your contributions will never be forgotten. And they'll always be celebrated. Hey, we'll give you a video tribute when you come back with your new team. <laughs> we could have a few video tributes, by the way. I've already planning my Darcy Kemper video tribute for uh, whomever he signs with. We'll do the same for Manson. I'm a big video tribute fan. What can I say? Um, so love to have Manson back, but it, it, it I get the feeling that there are going to be teams, and why not? I mean, <laughs> Josh Manson, you're talking about somebody who has uh, shown, first of all, everything that he was um, – um, supposed to be when he came to the Avalanche. You know, somebody who's tough, who's going to provide some toughness and physicality back there. He delivered his promise on that. He gave you a little bit of offense. Plus, he just had that incredible leadership. He now is a Stanley Cup champion. Boy, you know that is going to be really attractive to some teams that are either uh, on the cusp of trying to win big or are just trying to get back to being relevant, Mance is going to be in high demand. And I just don't think that he's going to be, uh, the Avalanche is going to be able to come anywhere near the number that he's going to be able to command elsewhere. And if he wants to take that bigger number, good for him. Uh, while we're talking about the uh, the free agents and who could or won't be back or the different uh, scenarios involving these guys, do want to... Congratulate uh, the Avs on bringing back Andrew Cogliano. Maybe a little bit pricey uh, for a one-year deal, but, man, again, I I go back to what I said about when you have guys that have proven that they got what it takes to win a championship, you don't let them go. And I I know it's it's a fine balance you have to strike if you're the Avs and Joe Sackick because the, the natural inclination is to run it back with everybody, keep the core together. But a lot of times you do want to have some change. You want to mix things up a little bit just to kind of change the dynamic, keep everybody fresh, keep everybody on their toes. But bringing back a guy like Cogliano makes so much sense because he's one of those guys, we saw the same thing with Darren Helm, limited with, with Nico Sturm, but, 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 but let's, basically let's talk about Cogliano and Helm. They're the kind of guys that, that just face it over the course of 82 games they just don't jump out at you. They they really don't. And over the course of 82 games, they, they play or they put up a stat line that kind of reflects what their salary is. One-year guys that are making, you know, basically NHL chump change. But it's the playoffs where their impact really starts to become noticeable. And you're looking at playoff games and you're, you're really 
focusing on, on the little things that have to be done in order to be able to win. And a guy like Cogliano, man, he, he did so much during this playoff run, whether it was providing energy, providing physicality, playing defense, popping in the occasional goal, giving inspirational speeches before uh, championship-clinching games. I mean, this guy does all the small things, if you don't mind me uh, stealing that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, bringing him back on a one-year deal to me is a no-brainer and and not with the idea that, you know, suddenly he's going to, uh, you know, blossom or, <laughs> you know, have some sort of career year. No, I'm just – I'm bringing him back with the idea of what he's going to mean for me come playoff time because he already showed me, and I can pretty much count on him being able to do it again. Uh, I, I, I've gone all this way without bringing up Joe Sackick specifically. I've made reference to him. Let, let's talk about Joe Sackick, NHL Executive of the Year, the Jim Gregory Award. Congratulations to Joe Sackick. Job well done. It would have been... Um, a crime if he did not win it. And I understand that this is a regular season award. The voting is done at the end of the regular season. Um, so, you know, you, you, you didn't, you couldn't take the playoff run into account, but uh, you did, you did have the playoff run. We did see this team win a cup and you saw this team as it was put together by Sackick. So to have him not win would have been, uh, <laughs> would have been an outrage in, in my mind. So deserving. And, Boy, when you talk about Joe Sackick and the job he's done, I think the thing that strikes me the most about Joe as an executive is the incredible patience that he's shown. And I think it goes to the uh, security that he felt in his job, uh, the the fact that he did not have to resort to knee-jerk reactions or knee-jerk moves he gave an interview at the end of the game when they won the cup and he was asked about, Hey, that 2016, 17 season, when you only had 48 points, did you ever think that you'd be able to get to this point? And he made comments about how, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a bad season statistically he goes, but we saw signs of hope. We saw some building blocks. We saw some guys that we believed could be part of our future. Our Nathan McKinnons, our um, Miko Rantanens, our Gabe Landeskogs, and we believed that that would eventually blossom. And so you think about it, here's a GM in a time in sports, all sports, where you have that season that is so bad, but then even as you start to turn things around, you have the three playoff losses in the second round. And yet Joe never wavered. He stayed the course. He believed in the plan. He believed in the process. He didn't panic. A lot of GMs in hockey would have fired a coach. He would have made some blockbuster trade. He just would have been like, I got to make a move. I got to make a change for change's sake because I got to save my job. I got to show my owners that I care and that I'm doing something, anything, right? But Joe stood the course and stayed the course and learned from his mistakes uh, learned from what happened with the team, made the necessary changes, tweaked the roster, identified holes and weaknesses that needed to be fixed and fortified and did so, and all the while stayed confident in the core of this team and the coach of this team and Jaron Bednar, and it all paid off. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about all the great moves he made and the slick trades and absolutely robbing Ottawa and robbing the New York Islanders for Devontae's. 
But I think if you're talking about the one overarching part of, of, of Joe Sackick's run as an executive with the Avs, and, and what stands out to me is that, yeah, he he showed that patience and that resolve and sta- and stood by it even when the results weren't coming. He believed in the vision, he believed in the process, and he believed that eventually it would uh, it would bear fruit, and boy, did it, as they are the Stanley Cup champions. So there you go, take two, <laughs> second go around. Hey, as I wrap this Mile High Hockey podcast up, Avs, don't go out and make a blockbuster move right away. Give it a couple days. Let people enjoy this podcast. Let them react to it, and then we'll uh, respond to the uh, – inevitable more moves that are coming up here in what figures to be a really fascinating offseason for the Avs. Don't forget, uh, the schedule's out already. October 12th, they're back. They host the Chicago Blackhawks. They'll raise the championship banner. Man, it, it is it is a um, it is a reminder that the NHL schedule waits for no one, even the Stanley Cup champs, as they're looking to get back onto a normal schedule. And so training camps, training camps, folks, Abs are going to be opening up their training camp in about two months. So, uh, guys, relax, unplug, decompress. Don't go near those sticks. Put those skates up in storage. Relax, have fun, party, celebrate with the cup. And look, we'll worry about hockey down the road when that time comes. Hey, maybe we'll ease into this season. And uh, maybe the, the season from the start won't be, you know, all about this obsession, all about the mission right from day one. Maybe this year... You can kind of ease into the season. It's a long season. Just make sure you're ready to go by playoff time to go out and defend your cup. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike Evans. We'll see you again next week.